Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC's orthopedics team, offering hip, knee, joint, spine, and back treatments. Learn more at upmc.com slash centralpaortho. Welcome back to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. Travel through Pennsylvania's northern tier, and there are places where you can drive miles through thick forest or without passing through a town. What you also won't see is a lot of artificial light in some of those areas. Many people who live in the Pennsylvania wilds want to keep it that way, but it's getting harder as development continues. Now, light pollution is not just an issue in rural areas. On The Spark today, we discuss light pollution and ways to stop it from spreading. Our guests are Sandy Goodstein and Mark Gross, volunteers with the Pennsylvania Outdoor Light Council. Gentlemen, thank you very much for being with us today. Well, thank, thank you, Scott, you. for having us. And uh, pardon the pun, but putting a little light on this subject. How many times have you used that? Actually, just a few. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's an oldie it, but a goodie. It is apropos, though. Okay. So, uh, Sandy Goodstein, let me start with you. What is light pollution? Well, light pollution, we like to describe to people, is the um, improper use of outdoor, especially we're talking mainly about outdoor lighting now. Um, where it's not being directed in the right thing, uh, overlit in many situations, and uh, you know having lights on at times when it's not needed. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned in the introduction the northern tier, the Pennsylvania wilds. Uh, you have a map on your website of where the most light is, and you can see the area across the northern tier from like Sullivan County through Potter County over to Clearfield County where the least amount of light is. But those counties, they don't want light pollution. But this is not just a rural issue. That's very true. Um, because <clears throat> as I personally got into light pollution issues because of uh, being involved in amateur astronomy, and I think Mark, who's going to be uh, chatting in with us soon also, um, yeah. but as I became more involved with light pollution, I realized it goes well beyond just being able to look up at the stars. Um, there's a lot of issues with light pollution that have to do, again, with safety, for example, especially now with the change over to LED lights. You know, these LED lights are very directional, and if they're not <coughs> aimed or they're, you know, overlit, it can be, you know, a hazard for people who are driving. Uh, one thing that I think people should remember, Pennsylvania as a state has probably one of the older populations in the United States. I don't know if it's Florida might be number one, but we're up there. We're up there in like two, three, or four, definitely. And as you get older, <clears throat> certainly that affects your vision. And then, like I said, we're driving a safety concern. So, uh, Mark Gross, is uh, Sandy accurate? Did you get interested because of uh, of appearing at the stars? Yeah. I, I think that astronomy is a little bit like uh, the canary in the coal mine. Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, we had some renovations here, actually on both sides of this, uh, and with development and all, uh, that you know we used to be able to sit out just in, to enjoy this the stars but i do astronomy as well but we used to sit on our out on our deck and in the summer and enjoy like a lot of stars and then from the 
front on the north side, they did a renovation on a school with lights pointing up and we lost our whole north sky. And then we have a development to the south that, you know, we don't have any more stars below 45 degrees anymore. And it's like, you know, this is a beautiful thing. And now it's not. And why is that? Um, you feel there's like a lot of. Yeah. From what you're describing, it, it, I, I, I get the sense that you felt like you lost something. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's just the beginning uh, when you when you realize it. And once it's gone, you know, it's very hard to get it back. Uh, it's very hard. So, so what is the mission uh, mark uh, or goals of the Pennsylvania Outdoor Light Council? It's to to limit lighting in ways that, uh, for instance, I I sat on uh, I sat in on a webinar uh, the other night, and uh, they were uh, it was actually Smithsonian that that was doing the the uh, webinar and the speaker uh said that flagstaff arizona population eighty thousand, they can go out in their driveway at night and look up and see the milky way mechanicsburg is less than ten thousand, and i can't do that why and of course you know cumberland county is a you know this this whole valley cumberland valley is a big place with a lot of development and a lot of uh a lot of lights <laughs> so that's why we can't see it but you can do lighting in a way that still allows you to see the sky and also protects health and because that that same that same light pollution is affecting human health and the environment as well so it's it's just not missing the the you know the beauty of the night sky. We can have all the light we need and have the dark sky, and I, that's what we're really trying to do. When you say that it can have an impact on human health and the environment, in, in what ways? I well, human human health. There's there's a couple ways. Uh, one is through circadian rhythm and the uh, suppression of melatonin. Uh, but it's it's a metabolism thing. Uh, we're primal critters, and we can't get away from that. Uh, so that that light has uh, not only for humans, but for the whole everything, every living creature in the environment mitigates its its way through life by light and dark. Things are happen at certain times. Uh, we avoid certain situations. Uh, and so it's both human health and the environment. Uh, human health, when you look at uh, not only the, the melatonin and its connection with cancers and so forth, that you also have metabolism. Uh, and that's in our primal nature. That, that So what, what kind of things are would our metabolism affect? It would be eating at the wrong time of night with exposure to to uh, high blue spectra content lighting. Uh, I know that it's connected with uh, with heart disease and obesity and type two diabetes, the development of those. It's, you know, whether it causes it directly or indirectly, 
it's a way we get there. Uh, it, uh, and if so it affects humans in that way. But there's also mental uh, effect on uh, especially adolescents, uh, children's uh, eye development, if you're using the wrong light at the wrong time. Um, so there's a lot with human health. When you go to the environment, it's affecting everything. And you have to you have to look at not only that it's affecting some creature in a certain way, but you have to look at you know, how how does that creature's place in the environment what how does that impact say the biodiversity if you if you don't if there is uh, uh, for instance a moth isn't doing it's it's being drawn away from what it should be doing to lights and you don't have things that the the moths are pollen are night nocturnal pollinators they can't do they're not doing those things and so the the daytime the diurnal pollinators can't do what they do it's also affecting the plants when they're flowering the time you know they're flowering so they may flower when there's there's no pollinators there to do anything. Boy, there's a lot. Or, you know, what, what are the, I want to just interrupt you for a moment, yeah. uh, Mark, to say, and, and saying I'm going to turn to you that, and I think I, I said this to you before we went on the air, I went to uh, the council's website and I didn't realize how many different aspects of our lives that light has an impact on. And Mark just did a really nice job of describing a lot of them. But, Sandy, let me ask you this. There would be some people who would say, especially in urban areas, that this is a safety issue. That even though Mark laid out a lot of reasons that uh, we shouldn't have too much light, there will be people who say, we need more light because it's a safety issue. Well, and again, uh, with the use of proper light, certainly for safety issues is reasonable. But the one thing I always like to tell people, if we're looking just from, let's say, a criminal aspect of it, where in the state do we have the most crime? Is it in a rural area or is it in Philadelphia and uh, Pittsburgh? And how lit up are those areas? Uh, matter of fact, one thing I just want to mention, in Pittsburgh, a group out there that's advocating good uh, you know, lighting practices actually has had the city uh, agree to try to, uh, you know, improve their outdoor lighting. Um, so, you know, bit by bit, you know, people are catching on to this idea. And as you said before, Scott, that it's a lot more than, you know, people realize. And if you get sensitized to this issue, you, you understand that, you know, there's a benefit from there that we can have good lighting, lighting directed down where it's needed uh, to do proper things such as safety and, you know, to light up. Because, again, we are a society that, you know, doesn't hide inside once the sun goes down. We're out there. But yet, you know, we want to do things. And one thing I want to mention, when it comes to, you know, design of lighting, I think a thing that's uh, important for people to do, uh, especially if you're, do, you know, working on a big development, is to involve lighting engineers who this is their livelihood. Uh, there's an organization called the um, Illuminating Engineer Society. 
and they have uh, their website. If you don't get it, you know, get a chance to take a look at that. Have recommendations of the type of light fixtures, the amount of light that's needed to properly illuminate an area. You know, in some areas, I always used to like to use the gas station near me. Uh, when they uh, retrograded their lighting, they put these wattage that is way overbit. And, you know, what we used to call that is uh, the moth effect because then everybody wants to brighter light because they think it's going to bring in business. But the problem that happens a lot of times is that people who leave that station, I mean, it's been they forgot to put their lights back on because they were so used to it or, you know, has affected, you know, their vision where now they have to adapt to going down the road where there's no lighting. So, again, back to the safety issue with that. Our guests are Sandy Goodstein and Mark Gross, volunteers with the Pennsylvania Outdoor Light Council, talking about light pollution. Before the break, Sandy, you said something about lighting down. And you said that on purpose, right? That is correct. Why? Well, lighting down is what we're talking about because a lot of these issues with light fixtures are not aimed properly when they're installed. And especially now with we're having the changeover uh, in, to LED lights, it's even more important that this is carried out in an installation of a lighting fixture. Uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners, if you go out on a, you know in the evening and just start driving around, some of these older lights where they wanted to light up, let's say, a parking lot area, instead of having it figured out properly where all the lights are down, they'll have one or two fixtures aimed straight up where half the light's going up into the air, not doing anything, the other half down there, and the other out light is probably going into the driver's eye, causing glare, uh, which is, again, affecting their vision uh, for driving. So, you know, with an LED, and another example I like to use is just take one of those cheap little LED flashlights one time you get from, you know, the uh, hardware store or whatnot. Turn it on, point it at your eye. You know, you feel discomfort. That is what glare is all about. So now you have a fixture that has, you know hundreds of that equivalent into it, it makes it even more important. If people look nowadays and drive on the turnpike at the interchanges, they've made in most of these changeovers to LED. And if you look, all the light is being directed down. You don't get that glare and whatnot in your light, uh, in your eyes affecting your vision. And that's what we mean by downward lighting. Put the light down where it's needed, not up in the sky, as David Crawford, who was the uh, original um, developer of the International Dark Sky Society, or the IDA, which is another very good website for people to look at to get information on light pollution, used to say, what's the use of illuminating the belly of birds? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, another area that uh, with light going up, that a lot of people can notice if if they take pay attention is with signage and billboards, right? That is correct. In what way? Well, with billboards, again, you know, the billboard companies look at it from a maintenance thing. You know, with the uplighting, it's much easier to get to the lights if they need to service them or whatnot. Uh, in the very old days when it was all incandescent, a lot of times, if you can think of pictures back then, they were at the top aiming down. So, you know, again, it's more of a maintenance thing. A lot of these billboards, you know, I'm sure over time will change to LED, which will, you know, even eliminate more stuff up into the air. Um, I believe it's on the IDA website. There's a very interesting picture that's taken from a billboard, a double billboard on each side with the lights at the bottom illuminating the sign. It, you know, you can see how much of that uplight is just going into the air. 
So, um, you know, that can also cause some glare issues to people driving or whatnot. But as Mark was saying before, you know, that can start affecting environmental things like bird migration paths and whatnot. Uh, One quick thing to mention, just recently in the Philadelphia Inquirer, there was quite a good article about how they've, uh, you know, because Philadelphia is supposedly over one of the main migration routes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thousands of birds each year are crashing into these buildings and dying. Um, so they've gotten a lot of these uh, big buildings over in Philly to agree to uh, shut down their lights during these certain migration periods to try to prevent that. So that's just another example of how you know light pollution is much more than just looking up at the stars. Uh, Mark, something else that uh, I know is an issue is that uh, there are a lot of these places, especially with billboards or maybe even buildings, where at night there aren't a lot of people to see them. What I'm getting at is that uh, some would call that a waste of energy. Uh, I mean, should those lights be turned off, dimmed, or or what? Well, there there's issues where there's technology that you can do, especially with LEDs or instant on, instant off. Uh, you can do all kinds of things, but a lot of the building stuff is for security. And but they're overlit to begin with, and they could do with a lot less light. Um, so yes, if there's if there's no, you know, one of the adaptive uh, technologies is is presence detectors. So if you don't have anybody there, it turns the lights off, and so that could be you know not only outside the building but inside. And for LEDs, you know, if if they're <laughs> If you paid to have them on for eight hours and they were with presence detectors could actually be turned off for six hours, then you saved a lot of money. Mm. Right. And a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, there's a big, you know, car. Everybody's concerned about, you know, carbon in our atmosphere, you know, the carbon emissions. But I, I did a little bit of research the other night and I went to to uh, energy.gov and to uh, the NOAA site. And I did a little bit of math. And so even though it's a very steep curve of carbon emission increase in the last decade, I right now between last year and November of last year, November of, of uh, uh, I'm sorry, November 2021, 2022, um, the increase was about 0.8 5.33%. And contrast that with uh, uh, Christopher Kaiba uh, had a research paper that came out in January, January 19th, where he uh, pegged the, the increase in light pollution to 9.6%, as opposed to 0.5%. Three three percent, nine point six percent. I agree. Be worried about you know. Try to limit the carbon emissions, but you know, nine point six percent is that's annually, that's runaway. Mm. Uh, so, Sandy, we only have about two minutes left. Okay. Uh, solutions to this. Well, the solutions is first of all, <clears throat> um, I'd recommend 
for people to see if their municipality has any form of a lighting ordinance. That's one thing that our group has over the years worked very hard to work with municipalities to establish them. Uh, on our website, we have a model ordinance that a municipality can you know, start with and then uh, tailor to their own uh, specific needs. But there needs to be some good regulation. Um, you know, one thing like on our website, when we get communication from people who go on there, one of the most common things that they complain and ask our help with is issues of light trespass. And if there is no specific regulation on outdoor lighting, a lot of times these people may have to look at some possible legal, you know, avenue to try to... Light get, trespass? Yes, light trespass. Light trespass is a term that we use when light goes into an area that, you know, you wouldn't want it. For example, if you have two houses and your neighbor across there, you know, has big floodlights flowing into your, you know, your windows, you got to, you know, keep your windows closed, you know, your drapes down in the summer and stuff like that. And sometimes you can work it out and sometimes it's not. But if there's at least a lighting ordinance to control that, the citizens of that township have at least somewhere to go to get the help. So that's a very big, you know, issue with that. Uh, we're going to have a link to your website on our website, WITF.org, when we uh, post the article and the audio for this this afternoon's show. Uh, but I have to say, I've learned so much, and I'm sure our listeners have, too. I want to thank both of you for being with us today. Sandy Goodstein and Mark Gross, volunteers with the Pennsylvania Outdoor Light Council. Thank both of you for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having us on. Thanks, Mark. I'm Scott Lamar. Have yourself a great weekend.